What is up, Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host and Chief Energy Officer, Jeremy Abramson. And today's podcast is a continuation of the conversation with Ben Azadi. This is a powerful 45 minutes where we dive deep into the benefits of fasting, the importance of mitochondrial health, and we also talk about why calorie counting is such bullshit. You do not want to miss this episode. If you missed the first part, just go back to the previous episode where we also dove deep into a lot of these health and wellness protocols. And I can't wait for you to hear the second half of the show. Without further ado, let's get it. Um, your question was, what are three things or what would I just add to that just for like health and longevity in, yeah. in general? Okay. Like what, what are some of the primary things that you teach your community, your students on natural ways to just optimize their brain health? Brain health. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Intermittent fasting is great for the brain uh, because when the body and you want to work your way up into a fast, think of fasting like a muscle. If you've never fasted before, you know, you start with 12 hours and 13, 14. We've kind of spoken about that before. But here's the amazing thing that happens when your body's in a fasted state. It's important to remember this. We're genetically hardwired for the old school, meaning the way that our ancestors lived. And they all practiced intermittent fasting. That is a fact. So when the body is in a fasted state, innate intelligence, which is this inner physician, thinks, whoa, 18 hours, no food? We're going through a famine. Let's keep this body and this brain alert and energized and focused so we could go out there and hunt and kill that tiger, that lion, whatever it is, that meal that we need to eat to stay alive. So it pumps the body full of these counter-regulatory hormones, cortisol, glucagon, human growth hormone. But for the brain, it produces brain-derived neurotropic factor. Mm. You know all about that, Jeremy, BDNF. This is miracle grow for your brain. This is brain fertilizer. And this is your innate intelligence, the body pumping your brain, pumping your system full of energy and resources and blood flow to go out there and hunt and kill. But the ultimate hack, you're not going to do that because you live in a country that has food readily available. So you're just going to use all that energy and focus to have an amazing, intentional, productive day. And that's one of the reasons why I love fasting. Mm. Can you also talk a little bit about autophagy? Yeah, it's another amazing benefit. Um, so autophagy, the Greek definition stands for eat thyself, which sounds pretty weird, right? But it's another amazing process from the innate intelligence. When there's no food energy coming in, the innate intelligence starts to think we're going through a famine. Mm. What are we going to do to preserve this body? Where are we going to get energy from? So you have this innate intelligence that are now, lo it's looking for cells inside of your body and mitochondria and proteins and fats that are dysfunctional. They are inflamed. And autophagy mm -hmm. is that process of going into those cells and repairing those cells. <laughs> Let me know when. Oh, keep going. And autophagy is that way of repairing the cell. So I have an analogy that I'm going to give for your audience. You've heard me share it before probably. It's uh, think of the refrigerator you have, right? You open up that refrigerator and you have groceries that all have an expiration date. The milk, the cheese, the butter, the orange juice, whatever it is. Right. What would happen if you just let all of those groceries inside of the refrigerator expire? You don't use them. 
but you let them expire. They get nasty. They, they get, get moldy. Nasty. They get moldy. But instead of throwing that na those nasty groceries in the trash, you just shove them towards the back of the fridge, go to Publix, Whole Foods, go to buy fresh groceries and put them in front of the old groceries and close that door. That's going to be disgusting, right, Jeremy? Mold, bacteria, disease will develop in that refrigerator. Human body is just like that refrigerator. We have cells, proteins, mitochondria, and fat that have these expiration dates on them. And if we're not taking the time to get rid of the trash, the junk, disease develops in the body. Autophagy is the process of getting rid of those expired groceries. And you get autophagy through fasting. You get autophagy through exercise, especially sprints that you love to do and strength training. You get autophagy through synolytics, which are different ingredients. But this is why when you look at cancer, and this is very important because in America, one in three women are diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And for men, one in two go to cdc.org and you want to fact check that it's on there right now cancer is everywhere in america dr thomas seafried who's an oncologist from boston college has said in his research that if you completed a seven-day water fast once a year you would reduce your risk of any cancer by 95 percent because of this autophagy process how empowering is that we have control here wow have you done a seven-day fast i did a five-day water fast and I achieved what's called maximum autophagy, which is what he was referring to. So I'm metabolically flexible, you are too. So we could achieve what he's saying in seven days in three to five days. And you could test that by looking at blood glucose and ketones. So yes, I hit max autophagy. I did a five day water fast. How about you? Have you done a log fast? Three days is my longest. It's great. Yeah. It was like a long weekend and it wasn't easy, but it, got easier as I went through it and I felt fucking incredible. Mm. Like after probably the 24 hour mark, after I just realized like, oh wow, I'm good. As long as I hydrate, I can still have a little black coffee. Yeah. I felt high levels of clarity and energy yeah. and it actually inspires me to do another one in the near future. Cause I usually do like a 24 hour one every other week. And then obviously I'm pra practicing intermittent fasting pretty frequently. Um, so powerful, bro. Yeah. Like it's so crazy. And that's a free tool, right? You don't have to spend any money to fast. You actually save money, right? You're not spending money on food. Yeah. Um, in regards to, in regards to, um, in regards to fasting as well, what would you say if someone has never tried fasting like what, what's something very simple that they can just do to really implement that practice and start getting results in a healthy, sustainable way? Good question, because we're talking about all these amazing benefits, but somebody hears that and they're still what I call a sugar burner. They're metabolically unhealthy and they go and do like a 24 hour fast tomorrow. That's a bad idea. If you've been on your couch for 10 years and you run a marathon tomorrow, bad idea. You want to train for it. So what do we do to train for it is the question that you're asking. Right. First things first, we want to lower the hormone insulin in our body because most people are producing too much insulin. Insulin resistance leads to type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes leads to cancer, heart disease, strokes, kidney amputations, or kidney failure and, and amputations. And here's the fact. Most people don't even die from diabetes. They die from all the diseases connected to it. Same thing happened to my dad. But it starts with insulin resistance. So the number one thing I want your audience to do if they haven't done this in the last year, go get a fasting insulin blood test. 
Mm. That should be a high priority. If that number is over five, you are on your road to insulin resistance. If it's over 10, you have insulin resistance. If it's over 25, you've got some big problems. And conventional doctors will let that happen for years before your A1C changes and they say you have type 2 diabetes. But if you would have gotten that fasting insulin done, you would have made that change. And there was a study that came out, and this is going to tie into the fasting question, in 2018 from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. This is a 10-year study with over 8,000 people in the study. So it was wow. a pretty, pretty big pool of people. And they wanted to determine how healthy or how unhealthy are American adults. So okay. they looked at blood pressure, BMI, A1C, on medication, off medication. And here was the result. 88% of American adults are metabolically unhealthy. And Jeremy, that was before COVID. You think that got better or worse after COVID? Definitely worse. Definitely worse, right? So they have insulin resistance. So the first step is to find ways to lower insulin before you even practice too much fasting. So how do you do that? Well, when you think about the three macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and fat, carbohydrates will spike glucose and insulin the most. Different carbs produce different responses, but carbs will spike insulin the most. So therefore, we want to lower carbs, increase protein and fat, because fat doesn't touch the dial on insulin, and protein has a different insulin response. Eat more fat and protein, eat less carbs. Now, that could be keto, or that could just be low-carb paleo. Either way will work. Once you've done that for 7 to 14 days, then eliminate your snacking in between meals. Have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But as you know, and I shared this last time, the average American is eating 17 to 23 times per day. So crazy. Isn't that nuts? And people hear me say that and they think I'm making that up. But if you really think about it, my definition of eating is anytime they start to digest the process and raise glucose and insulin. So the almonds, the kombucha, the protein bar, the protein shake throughout the day, people are grazers. And if you want to age fast and develop disease, eat every two to three hours. You'll get there very, very soon. So eliminate the snacking, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you could start with the 12-hour fast and work your way up. Yeah. Well, that was incredible. <laughs> that literally provided so much value. Unreal. I can only imagine how much value you're providing your community and students every single day. So if you are someone who really wants to optimize this part of your life, your nutrition, your hormones, right? Getting your nutrition dialed in, your insulin sensitivity resistance, and remove maybe pre-diabetes from your life, you just want to get on a healthier path, definitely check out Ben's work and dive deeper with him because his students are getting absolutely incredible results. So hit the link in the description because this work needs to be shared with as many people as possible, bro. I'm so grateful that you're, you're really doing this and giving people the tools to be their own healer, to be their own doctor. And I think that's something that we're very aligned with is wanting the people that we work with, our students, our clients, to eventually become their own practitioner, their own doctor, because nobody knows your body better than you do. And once you learn how to actually listen to the signals that your body's constantly giving you, you can actually start listening and giving it exactly what it's asking for. Whether that's nutrition, sleep, movement, relationships. And that's when you start to really create true healing, right? It's beautiful. 
Amen. Amen to that, brother. That's what it's all about. And it starts with taking responsibility. It really does. That's where everything changed for me. When you take responsibility, it's impossible to be the victim, to blame other people, to blame your genetics, to blame your enabling family members. Responsibility is your ability to respond to life. The better that is, the better your life. That's where it starts. That, that is the starting point of all change. It's taking ownership and responsibility, which you've done in your life, changed this, the course of your life. I've done with mine, but that's where it's at. So we hope we have given a lot of people who felt hopeless hope. And the starting point is responsibility. And once you take ownership, we're excited to hear your stories. We're excited to hear some success that came out of this episode. And Jeremy, I love what you're doing. You're changing so many lives. You've grown so much over the last few years. And you're just getting started, brother. You know, day we one, are. every day, both of us, dude. And there's so many people that are changing their lives because of your work and what you're doing. And I learn from you all the time. I love how you show up. I love your energy. I love your authenticity. So keep showing up. The world needs you. And thank you for bringing me back on your show. Wait, by the way, by the way, I think you thought I was ending the show by saying to like, go oh, check out your work. I did. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I was literally just telling you guys because Hopefully, in a short conversation with Ben, you can see how much knowledge and wisdom he has. Thank so you. dive deeper, honestly, dive deeper. Like if any of this stuff, if you're watching on the live streams right now and like stuff that Ben is saying is hitting you, like go to his profile, check out his links and get involved with him. Trust me, trust me. I would never give somebody my, my endorsement if I didn't strongly believe in what they're doing. Okay. So thank you, Jeremy. And I meant everything I said, even though we're not ending. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. Yeah. So check out, check out Ben's links. He's one of my, like, like I said, one of the dudes that I really look up to in the space and I'm grateful to have him as a friend. And it's been way too long since we've done this and just like connected. Yeah. Um, a lot, something you said though, really resonated. And I think this is something that is holding so many people back with their health and their happiness. And that is, they are addicted to playing the victim. They're addicted to blaming their parents for their problems. They're addicted to blaming external circumstances. They're addicted to blaming their, their genetics. They're addicted to making excuses. And I want you to understand that there's zero power when you're playing the victim. The power starts to happen when you understand that you're actually the creator of your reality, regardless of the shitty hand that you've been dealt, regardless of what else is happening in your life, you literally have the power and potential inside of you to create a new narrative, a new story, and a new reality for yourself. And I think if people continue playing the victim and just saying like, oh, my parents had a heart attack or my grandparents had Alzheimer's, I'm destined for failure. I'm destined for disease. Well, guess what? You're going to get it. If that's your mentality and mindset about living your life, then you're going to continue manifesting those mediocre results. Right? right? Yeah, I, I love that. I 100% agree with you, Jeremy. And I was the victim before, right? I was blaming everyone and everything. Uh, and then I became the victor. And that's where there is power, right? When you're a victor, not a victim. But it feels good to blame other people temporarily because it takes the responsibility away from you. Mm. And 
it leaves you powerless, but it gives you this short-term kind of gain. And it's a weird place to be in. And I've been there myself. But like you said, if you expect those things to happen to you, there's a power in expectation. Mm. There's a big power in expectation. And I'm going to give you an example of this. It's a story from the Bible, but it's not a religious share that I'm about to share real quick. Moses, who we all know was a leader and he had followers. In the Bible, there was a story about Moses leading his followers through the desert. And he wanted to change the consciousness, the paradigm, the subconscious mind of his followers before he took them into this new beautiful land. Mm. So they're walking in the desert. Moses is leading this group of people and there's no food. There's no water. They're dehydrated. Everybody's complaining. And he wanted to change their consciousness. They were playing the victim card, but he wanted to make them into victors and had, he wanted to give them faith. So all of his followers walked up to Moses and said, Hey Moses, we're going to die out here, dude. You're leading us to our death. What are you doing? You don't know anything. They're blaming him, blaming him, blaming him. So Moses said, Hey, why don't you go pray to God for rain? We could collect that rain, drink it, hydrate, and keep going. So they go out there and they pray. Hours later, no rain, no land, no food. They're really mm. complaining, and they're really victims at this point. They walk up to Moses and they say, Moses, God has forsaken us. We're going to die out here. And Moses takes a step back. He looks at them. He looks around, and he says, where are the ditches? And they're like, what do you mean ditches? And Moses said, if you would have truly expected rain, you would have dug the ditches to collect that rainfall. I don't see any ditches out there. Your expectation was not what actually what you thought it was. And that is the power of expectation. You, faith over fear. You could actually create amazing things when you truly expect good things to happen, or you could create bad things if you truly expect bad things to happen. By the way, great story. I wonder if they actually used the word dude back then in the Bible. <laughs> Probably like, not. I, I ad-libbed a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, but, but I'm actually curious, like how and when some of these different terms and things became used yeah, like so widely, like who's the first person to use the word dude? And like, how did that all come about? And I'm curious to know, like, when did, when did cancer when is the first documented case of cancer? Do you know? Probably in the 1930s. Probably Otto Warburg was doing some work in the beginning. I, I, would, I would guess. I would have to fact check. But sometime in the 1900s, maybe 1920s or 30s. It's that recent of a phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. It might be a little bit longer, but it's definitely within the last 100 years or so. Uh, I believe. I believe. We need to fact check that. That's absolutely maybe Santiago wild. Santiago could fact check this. Go fact yeah, we need, what's, we need to get like, I think his name's Jamie, Joe yeah. Rogan's guy. Like definitely need to have some, bring someone. Where we kind of scroll and, and look yeah. things up right here yeah. on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Santiago, come on. <laughs> yeah, well definitely, no, I, we, I, can, I can definitely piece something together. A couple of things you said though. One of the things that I've done probably this last year or so is take, radical accountability and ownership for every area of my life, right? Obviously with my health, with my business, with my relationships. So now when something goes wrong, even if I don't think that I have anything to do with it, even if I do think that somebody made a mistake or an error in judgment, 
I'm practicing taking accountability and taking a step back and asking myself, is there anything I could have done differently to have avoided this happening? And there usually is always something, bro. Yeah. Like I could have communicated more clearly, right? With someone on my team, or I could have gone to sleep earlier. If I feel like a little fatigued the next day, there's always something that we can do to create a brighter future for ourselves. Right. And that radical accountability and ownership is hard. That's why very few people ever do it, but it actually is the gateway to freedom. Accountability is a gateway to freedom. And most people are a prisoner of their own mind because they're stuck in the victim role. They're constantly blaming other people and making excuses. And like you said, maybe that feels good in the moment, but you know, and I know, that shit is doing absolutely nothing positive for changing the situation and creating a brighter future for yourself. Or the world. Exactly. Yeah. Radical accountability. I love that. I love that. You're so right. Accountability is that roadmap, roadmap to success and freedom. I agree with you. It's like the glue that ties your goals to your results. That accountability is going to get that there fast. It's going to help you get there faster than anything else. I agree with you, Jeremy. I, I want to switch topics a little bit to something that I know we're both pretty passionate about. And I wanted to make sure we addressed it on this episode. I, think I know where you're leading to. Let's see. <laughs> so on social media, on the internet, there's so many of these fitness professionals and fitness gurus and weight loss experts that are constantly talking and preaching about being in a calorie deficit. You must be in a calorie deficit if you want to lose weight and get healthy. And I just, first of all, want to say that that approach is absolute garbage and bullshit. And I would love for you to dive deeper as to why. Yeah, well said. Well said, Jeremy. There are a lot of people teaching this nonsense. And I used to be one of them. I'm guilty. And I took responsibility and accountability and I stopped teaching that. I used to host seminars here in Miami, eight years ago, seven years ago, titled it the science of fat loss. And I used to teach people how to get in a calorie deficit, how to use your body as a calculator. And I did that for years. And I realized I was doing a big disservice to my community. Do calories matter? A hundred percent. Yes. Are calories important? No, they are so low on that totem pole. They're so low on priorities that they're more of a distraction. And these fitness people, these nutritionists, these dietitians, they're leading people towards distraction. I have received countless messages every single day asking about microdosing. And about one year ago, we created the Microdosing Mastermind, which is an eight-week mentorship experience where you get access to the highest quality medicine and mentorship in the whole world. And this same experience has enabled many of our students to safely wean off of some of the destructive and harmful drugs that they've been prescribed by doctors. ADHD meds like Adderall, antidepressants like Prozac and Wellbutrin. Understand that these things do nothing to get to the root cause of your illness. And that is exactly why we created this mastermind. To allow you the opportunity to take 100% ownership 
and control of your health, your healing, your happiness. So if you're interested in learning more, you can apply with the link in the show notes. Much love. And let's get back to today's conversation. Okay, let me give you a perfect example. Let's say we got the honor of attending a workshop by Warren Buffett to learn about wealth, right? Because this guy's a billionaire. He knows what he's talking about. So we, Jeremy raises his hand and he's like, Warren, Warren, how do I become rich like you? And Warren Buffett says, that's easy, Jeremy. Just spend less than you earn and you'll be rich like me. And then he goes on to a different question. And Jeremy's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that makes sense. But there's no solution in that. That's the same thing with calories. In versus calories out. It doesn't give you the solution. It's a distraction. So what really matters then, Jeremy? The metabolic response from those calories. If Jeremy ate 500 calories of Skittles every single day for 30 days, and I ate 500 calories of steak every single day for 30 days, who's going to be healthier in 30 days? The person? I don't know, bro. <laughs> Skittles, Skittles have a lot of nutrition. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> completely different hormonal response, right? Right. You can't, um, protein, you can't over, it's hard to overeat protein. It activates different hormones and chemicals, cholecystokinin, peptide YY, leptin. These are hormones and chemicals that signal to your body and your brain, you're full. How many of those the Skittles activate? Zero, right? So it's not about the calories, it's about the quality of those calories. It's about the metabolic response. The human body is not a calculator, not a bank account or a math equation. It is a complex chemistry lab and we need to treat it as such. So we need to take our focus away from counting calories and put it on inflammation, hormones, and cellular metabolism. That should be priority. And anybody who's teaching you the other direction of counting calories, red flag, call them out, let them know this does not work long-term. It actually fails them 99% of the time long-term. So let's get away from the nonsense of calorie counting, which is symptom chasing, back to our conversation, and get to the root cause, which is inflammation and hormonal health. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I'm always learning. Selfishly, I'm asking questions that I'm also going to get value from. Um, in addition to that, dude, I think obsessing about counting calories leads to so much anxiety. You are not designed to weigh out every single portion of food on a scale and count every single calorie. That's fucking miserable. Do you really want to spend your life living like that? That is bringing zero enjoyment to food, to eating. Like eating is supposed to be ceremonial. It's supposed to be celebratory. It's supposed to be, enjoy there's supposed to be enjoyment in that. It's a point of connection, right? To your food, to the planet, to the soil, to other humans. And instead, when you're constantly obsessing about fucking calories, bro, it's just like diminishing the value of food so much. Right. Yeah. That's a very important addition to it. it. You're so right. It's not healthy to be compulsive over these things, to stress over it. That alone, it's going to cause inflammation and lead to a weight loss plateau. Right. And that's just one or a few of many reasons why this is not the direction that we teach our audience. Yeah. It, it's symptom chasing. And it's, it's unfortunate because a lot of like really big fitness people out there still teach it. They think keto is BS or fasting is BS or paleo is BS. They think in order to lose weight, all you need to do is be in a calorie deficit. That is their one solution. And it's actually not a solution. It's actually a distraction. Yeah. 
one of the things that you said actually has me feeling even more respect for you because you said seven or eight years ago, you were giving seminars on calorie counting and calorie deficit, right? But you were not dogmatic and you were mentally flexible to be open to learning other perspectives and you were able to discover other truths, right? So I think that's so important because we live in a world now that's so divisive that it's left versus right. It's blue versus red. It's pro-vax and anti-vax, right? So for you to actually have the humility to understand like, hey, I was wrong, you know? And now I'm curious to learn what's right so I can share that truth, you know? And I think that's a really powerful lesson is like never be so attached to your beliefs to the point that you're not willing to hear other points of views and perspectives because that is exactly how we get to a place that we are right now in America where I'm getting censored and banned on social media for simply sharing my opinion, which happens to also be factual and truthful. But just the fact that my voice is getting censored for sharing my opinion is absolutely unpatriotic. It's un-American, quite frankly. I agree with you. So I'm grateful that you have that kind of flexibility again to like change your perspectives. Now, one thing again that I don't think we touched on today, but I think is absolutely critical for just human optimization is mitochondria. Yeah, yeah. So I would love if you could explain exactly what mitochondria are, how important they are, and maybe a couple simple things we can do to optimize our mitochondrial health. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up. I love talking about the mitochondria because mitochondrial dysfunction, meaning your mitochondria are not functioning well, it's pretty much linked to every disease out there, mm. including ADHD and diabetes and cancer. So what are the mitochondria? Um, a singular mitochondria is called mitochondrion, but there's uh, thousands or actually millions of mitochondria in a single body. So we know them as these energy factories. Every cell inside of the human body, there's about 70 trillion cells, have these energy factories called the mitochondria. That's one role. They're pumping out energy. They're pumping out uh, energy currency called ATP, uh, adenosine triphosphate. So think of that as like the gasoline of your cells, but the mitochondria, the factories that's producing it. Somebody who's healthy, somebody who's living way past 100 years old, disease-free, somebody who has great energy levels, somebody who's lean, vibrant, um, who's living a very healthy, long life, has healthy mitochondria. Mm. Somebody who has a lot of symptoms has unhealthy mitochondria. That's one role of the mitochondria, Jeremy. There's a second role to the mitochondria. They're actually surveillance systems to determine threats. This is some real cool recent research. Dr. Robert, Robert Navio has put out research out there. So the mitochondria have their own intelligence mm -hmm. and it's looking for threats as a survival mechanism because the number one priority for the human body is survival. Right. And the mitochondria are a big part of this. So if there's a lot of stress, threats, the mitochondria will shut down energy production to preserve its life. Mm -hmm. So when I say stress, that could be mental, emotional, that could be physical, that could be chemical toxicity, but too much stress in any of those areas, mitochondria looks at it, threat, 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 
let's lower energy production to preserve life. And then that leads to all these symptoms. So this is called cell danger response. People who have COVID and they get sick, but they don't recover. They have long haul COVID. Have you heard of that before? Like, like symptoms that long, that's cell danger response. Autoimmune disease is cell danger response. This is the mitochondria looking at it as a threat, but then staying stuck in that threat. Mm. So what can we do to support the mitochondria? That should be the next question that the audience is thinking about. And I know that you were going to ask that. Ketosis is a great way to um, support the mitochondria. And I'm not dogmatic about keto. It's one tool out of many. We teach keto flexing, as you know, going in and out. But here's what the research shows. When ketones are in your body as a result of burning body fat, those ketones actually communicate with the mitochondria to make more of themselves. Mm. 400% more energy than glucose. Wow. That's a lot, right? So it's creating more energy. But when you create more energy, you create more free radicals, which could be a problem, right? But the second thing that happens when your body's producing ketones, the mitochondria go through this uncoupling process. So Dr. Stephen Gundry shared an analogy on my podcast about a pressure cooker. If you're using a pressure cooker and you get all this steam built up, Mm. you have the release valve that releases it, right? Right. That's kind of like what your mitochondria are doing when you are producing all this energy from ketosis. So it creates mitogenesis, more mitochondria. That's a very powerful way to boost your mitochondria health. Exercise like sprinting and strength training, amazing way to support mitochondrial health. Uh, Fantastic. Quality sleep incredible way to repair mitochondria and go through mitophagy, intermittent fasting as well. So there's several things we can do about this, which is very inspiring because we can make a difference with our health here. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful with that whole surveillance Isn't system. Isn't that interesting, dude? It really just further reminds me how intelligent the human body is. It's absolutely incredible how intelligent our human body is from the inside out. It's amazing. And it literally has the ability to be so resilient and overcome so much trauma, so much pain, so much inflammation, so much injury, so much shit throughout our lifetime. Like so it's, many hits. It's absolutely incredible. And it's just another reason why we need to show it the love it needs and deserves. Yeah. Like we only get one of these. We only get one, bro. You're right. You yeah. know, it's pretty incredible when you think about the fact that we've been gifted this physical avatar and we have the ability to create whatever type of body we want. Yeah. I know a lot of people are choosing to create an overweight body even an obese body. I personally am going to continue choosing to create a lean body, a capable body, a powerful body that energizes me, that allows me to focus, that allows me to get shit done, that allows me to serve humanity in a powerful way. What what about you? What body are you choosing? Because we're clear on our mission, right? And that's what's driving us because we need a healthy body to achieve that. Um, But you're so right about the human body. I'm just so blown away about how magnificent it is, right? I believe in God. So I always tell my um, students that, you know, you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. And if you just think about the healing processes of the human body, you cut yourself, 
there's an intelligence sent to that area to begin to heal it, right? And then it creates a scab and then eventually it's back to normal. When I got sick with COVID last month, we actually had to reschedule the first interview here. I had a fever of 104.5. And what do most people do when they have a fever? How do I reduce this fever? I'm gonna take a leave, I'm gonna take Tylenol, I'm gonna put ice packs. My thought process is the human body is built to heal itself. The innate intelligence is giving my body a fever for a reason. Why am I gonna block that? The fever is actually used to create heat shock proteins to deal with the virus. So I didn't do anything to suppress that fever. That's my innate intelligence doing its job. So I sat in bed for two days, fever went away, recovered by day six back to 100%. I didn't block it. I let the body do its thing. And that's how magnificent the human body is if we stop blocking it and let it do its job. Yeah. Wow. That just opened up a whole new can of worms <laughs> with things like NyQuil and Tylenol that are literally treated like Skittles. Yeah. People pop these things every night like it's nothing. Not understanding that a huge detriment that both of those compounds are doing is depleting levels of glutathione production in the liver, right? And really weakening your immune system. So people are taking these pills to help their fever or heal from a cold or reduce pain what they're actually doing is doing their liver a huge disservice and they're not allowing their body to tap into that innate intelligence, right. which you spoke about. Yeah. So if somebody experiences like a short, a sore shoulder or a sprained ankle, they're icing and they're taking all these things, but the body knows what to do with that acute inflammation. And it might give you some temporary relief, but to Jeremy's point, you're depleting glutathione in your liver. The most important master antioxidant. You are doing some things to your gut and to your brain. Uh, have some faith in the human body. I mean, it was built to heal. It's just a different paradigm that I come from and that you come from versus what most people think about. I want to close the, the loop real quick on the mitochondria thing and give your audience a couple of cool biohacks on that. Yeah. So it's estimated Please. by the age 70, about 70% 70 of mitochondria is lost. Mm. And we actually get all of our mitochondria from our mom. Uh, which is super interesting. Um, so I mentioned ketosis, fasting, and, and strength training. Those are great for the mitochondria, but there's some other things that we can do. So, super interesting research. Melatonin, right? You've heard of melatonin. People think of it like a sleep agent, but it's actually more than that. Every cell in your body actually produces melatonin, and it's the number one most important antioxidant for the mitochondria. The most important one. Only two antioxidants could get into the mitochondria and melatonin is one of them. And uh, if you take high dose melatonin cyclically, that could be a great way to support the mitochondria. I take that actually a suppository of hundred milligrams melatonin, but taking melatonin cyclically, uh, even though it's a hormone, it doesn't have the issue of shutting down your own endogenous production. There's no research to, research to show that. So I wouldn't worry about that, but it's a great way to get antioxidants in the body. And then, Astaxanthin. Um, so astaxanthin is what makes uh, uh, salmon that orange or that, yeah, that orange kind of color. Astaxanthin is also an algae. And astaxanthin acts as, because every uh, mitochondria also has a membrane, just like your cells have a membrane. Astaxanthin acts as a barrier to protect that membrane. So good things mm. could go into the mitochondria membrane, bad things could go out like toxins. So it's one of the best ways to support that membrane of the mitochondria. And astaxanthin is like edible sunscreen, meaning you talk a lot about taking toxic sunscreen, what that's doing to destroy you. You want to get sun. I agree with 100% of that. 
when you take astaxanthin orally, like through supplementation, it actually protects you and prevents you from getting sunburned. Mm. So if you're gonna spend a lot of sun time outside in the sun, especially here in Miami, take 12 milligrams of astaxanthin and you get all the benefits of the sunshine without actually getting burned, which is a cool biohack. Wow, those are both super powerful. Astaxanthin and melatonin. Are you doing the suppositories from uh, Dr. John, John Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, Sandman. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And he he's super big on melatonin, like as a, mir- a miracle mo- yeah. molecule, right? That's really interesting. Um, let me see what time it is. I know. Um, we're about to wrap up here. We're gonna probably split this up in two episodes. Cool. Just because. Yeah. Yeah, I Whatever think that's going to, this is going to be, this one's fucking <laughs> <Deep>. incredible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to give you the choice because there's some things on here that we, uh, we had as like some bullet points we were going to cover going into this conversation. Um, we covered damn near a majority. Yeah, dude. Like we went deep. I'm really grateful. And it was like super organic and not forced at all, which is always the best way to operate. That's the, that's the only way we operate, dude, when we get together. Seriously. Yeah, it's, f- it's pure flow state. Pure flow state. Um, okay. So we can talk about veganism and your thoughts on the vegan diet and lifestyle. Um, <laughs> or we could uh, talk about anything else, bro, that is on your mind, that is on your heart, that you think would bring massive value to everyone listening and watching. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Um, we could go into the vegan veganism topic just because I know a lot of people hear about it and they kind of fall for a lot of the propaganda, right? So I'm going to tie in the veganism to the seed oil thing. Okay. Perfect. Because when you think about these plant-based burgers, like the beyond burger, you, you've called them out a lot on your TikTok channel. I love it. They're loaded with inflammatory ingredients, inflammatory fats. Compare that to beef, right? You just have one ingredient, 100% beef. But you look at the ingredients in a plant-based burger, you got 10, 15, 30, 40 ingredients, things you can't pronounce, including inflammatory seed oils. Now, that's one problem. Another problem is that there's not one culture in the history of humankind that has stuck to the same diet long-term. Not one until the last 50, 100 years or so. That's a new problem for us. So yeah, our ancestors, maybe they did vegan diet, plant-based from time to time. But when they had the option, they ate the meat. They ate, you know, they did keto. They did all, they varied their diet. That's where the magic is. Diet variation It's what my mentor, Dr. Pampa, teaches. And that's where it's about. So eating the same diet long-term, it's going to just be a matter of time before you experience symptoms. And then if you keep going before you experience diagnosis, mm. your genetics will determine that and your stress bucket will determine that. So I love the vegan diet, Jeremy, short term. I love the carnivore diet, which is the opposite, short term. I love the keto diet, short term. The magic is in the variation that's with the change. When you change your foods, you change your gut microbiome. You create more diversity. The more diverse your gut, the healthier you are and all disease is linked to the gut. So it's a matter of changing mm. things up. We don't want to be dogmatic about it. Health over dogma should be what we're doing here, not dogmatism and propaganda from these films. So I love that you call them out and we love you vegans, but hey, 
what you're doing long-term to your body, you're starving your body away from nutrients that are built for your brain, your hormones, and so much more. Yeah. That was really dope. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, removing dogma is definitely going to be a beneficial thing for humanity as a whole. Um, I have a lot of vegan friends, plant-based friends. Me too. Uh, and I love them just the same. I'm not going to like anyone less based on what they eat or don't eat. So let me just put that out there. Or who they vote for or don't vote for. Yeah. yeah. It's all love all the time. Anyways. I believe that a majority of vegans don't actually practice healthy lifestyles with the food they consume because they are exposing themselves to a bunch of these industrial seed oils. They think just because something is vegan or a restaurant is vegan, it equates to it being healthy, which is the furthest thing from the truth. In addition to that, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, vitamin B deficiency, B12, protein deficiency, but I'm also concerned about the healthy fats, like the omega-3s, the EPA and DHAs, which you usually find in animal-based products. So when it comes to the vegan diet and lifestyle, that is my biggest concern is where are they getting those brain-boosting nutrients from? So where? They're not. They're, they're, They're essentially, you know, starving their brain and their hormones of these important nutrients. And it's just a matter of time before symptoms will manifest. There are some great ways mm. to mask it up. I mean, you could get really strategic with pairing different proteins, plant-based proteins to make it complete. But the fact of the matter is that it's not an optimal long-term diet. Yeah. It's going to cause more problems. And these vegan products are loaded with seed oils. And we know the issue with seed oils. They're, seed oils are more inflammatory than sugar. And some even say smoking, right? Because guess what? You could burn off excess sugar by doing some squats and exercising. These seed oils, the half-life of linoleic acid, which are these vegetable oils, the half-life is two years, Jeremy. Meaning if you'd made the decision today to stop eating seed oils, these omega-6 fats, and you got rid of them, two years from now, half of them will still remain in your body fat. They are highly inflammatory and they lead to cancer, heart disease, and a whole host of problems, including insulin resistance. And I shared this, and I'm going to share it again because it really drives the point home when I want to deliver this message. I interviewed Dr. Kay Shanahan. Uh, I think you've interviewed her as well. Uh, So Dr. Kay Shanahan, medical doctor, she wrote great books out there, Deep Nutrition, Fat Burn Fix. She was the nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers when Kobe Bryant used to play. She taught Kobe Bryant about seed oils and bone broth. She got Dwight Howard, Howard off of his sugar addiction. She's an amazing resource. I interviewed her and a gentleman named Brian Peskin, who's an MIT researcher who has done a lot of research on seed oils. And I asked them both the same question. I asked first Brian Peskin, what's worse? What's going to cause disease faster? Smoking two packs of cigarettes every single day or eating these inflammatory fats, these seed oils? So Brian Peskin, very analytical guy, he says, well, according to the research, if somebody smoked two packs of cigarettes every day for 28 years, the chances of them developing lung cancer within those 28 years is about 16%, one six. Then he said, if somebody ate these inflammatory fats, these vegetable oils every day in their salad dressings, cooking it with their food, every day for 28 years, the chances of them developing cancer or heart disease is 86%. 
That's just one man's research, right? That's just this guy's research. So I asked Dr. Kay Shanahan if his research aligned with her research. And she said, actually, Ben, that 86% chance of disease is closer to 100% chance of disease, right? She even, during the beginning of COVID, she was on Bill Maher, she was on Fox, yeah. showing the link between countries that consume the most linoleic acid, seed oils, and the countries that had the most deaths from COVID. She was showing the correlation between that. So they're highly inflammatory. They're an aggressive oxygen attractor. And the reason is because of their chemical structure. They're called polyunsaturated fats. Poly meaning dub many double bonds, many opportunities to attract oxygen, which make these fat molecules unstable. They're oxidized. Think of oxidation as biting into an apple and leaving the apple on the counter, it turns brown. That's kind of what's happening to your body. And the processing of them are disgusting. I want your audience to go on YouTube and type in how canola oil is made and see how disgusting it looks going through the processing um, process. They put detergents and cleaning agents and it has all this, it's disgusting. So I'm gonna give your audience a list of what Dr. Kate Shanahan calls the hateful eight. We wanna avoid these and they're in a lot of vegan foods, by the way. We have canola, cottonseed, corn oil. We have sunflower oil, soybean oil, and safflower oil. And then we have rice bran oil and grapeseed oil. Those are the hateful eight. Swap those for saturated fats, monounsaturated fats. Your favorite monounsaturated fat is olive oil, dark glass bottle, right? Oleocanthals, like make sure it burns your throat, makes you cough, like that's legit olive oil. Um, you also have avocado oil that's not cut. You have butter, ghee, grass-fed, duck fat. You have beef tallow. These are much healthier for your body. Yeah. That's so crazy with how destructive these seed oils are. And it's, I'm curious to know, you said, you said uh, there's the research in regards to the countries that consume the most of them in COVID, right? Does any country consume more seed oils in America? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I, I'm going to ask Dr. K. Shanahan this, but I think South America does. And I think India might as well. Really? Yeah. I think I got to double check, but America South America doesn't necessarily surprise me, but India surprises me just because India is like where a lot of Eastern medicine rose up from. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I would love to learn more about that. Um, and I want to call out someone since sometimes, you know, we did this with, we did this with Oatly and then one month later, that video hit like 2 million views. And then one month later, uh, one month later, Oatly was recalled. So <laughs> that's funny. And it got me a dope brand <laughs> deal with Mulk. Oh, that's cool. So it was like, it was like, it was cool. So, but anyways, uh, I know I, I, I put out a video like a couple of days with this, but if anyone's watching from the American Heart Association, come on, y'all. Y'all are absolute criminals. You're literally putting your seal of approval on some of the most toxic inflammatory products in the world. Cheerios. I can't believe it's not butter. Other cereals that are laced with glyphosate. You are the reason why 600,000 Americans die from heart disease every single year. It's because of your corruption it's because you are taking millions of dollars from these huge corporations to put your seal of approval. 
and it's a huge disservice. It needs to be stopped. You need to be held accountable. And that's exactly why I'm speaking out against it. And do you support this message? 100%. It's, it's almost criminal. I mean, Dr. K. Shanahan calls the American Heart Association the biggest fake news organization in America. Yeah, we're talking to you. So let's get this podcast viral. Let's get this clip viral. Let's spread this message of truth. Even if TikTok Live bans us, we still come in. We still come in strong. Mr. Benazadi, I want to acknowledge you, bro, because, man, every time I sit down with you, I literally learn so much. And you're one of the best communicators in this space that I've come across. The way that you're able to break down such complex topics into a very simple way is really a gift, bro. And I think that's why you've been able to create such powerful momentum the last five, six, seven years is because you've really worked at that craft and it, it's so indicative when you speak. And I'm so grateful for you, bro. Thank really. You, brother. I'm grateful for you, Jeremy. Love what you're doing. Love how you show up. This has been, I think, our best conversation yet. Like we just get into this flow state and I, I really believe it's going to make a big difference for a lot of people. So thank you for allowing me to serve your community again. Hell yeah. And where can people find you and connect with you? My website has everything. BenNazadi.com will have my books, my programs, et cetera. So everything's in one place over at BenNazadi.com. Cool. And social medias? That's on the website as well. So uh, I'm just at the Benazadi on all platforms too. Yeah. Phenomenal content. The Keto Camp podcast too. Yeah. Just continues to grow and expand. Um, the YouTube content, the IG, the TikTok, like it's all there. It's all getting seen and heard. And um, wow. This conversation literally has me so inspired. So thank you for that, bro. This was so much fun and I can't wait for next time. I can't wait to just continue connecting and building our friendship. Me too, brother. I'm inspired. Let's go. Let's get it. Much love, everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening until the end. If you are still here, that is just a huge sign that you don't have ADHD. You don't have one of these attention deficit disorders. You literally have an incredible attention span. So acknowledge yourself. Celebrate yourself for still being here. We appreciate you. Go check out Ben's stuff. Go hit the link in the descriptions. And most importantly, take ownership of your health, of your happiness, because you only get one life and you deserve to make that life count. Let's get it. Much love. Peace. Oh my goodness, fam. I don't know about you, but any time that I sit down and have a conversation with Ben Azadi, he completely blows my mind. And it was no different with this conversation today. I'm so grateful for your presence, your support. Thank you so much for listening until the end. And the only thing that we ask is to share this show with a friend. If you got any value whatsoever, share this with somebody that you love. Because ultimately, word of mouth is our oxygen. And that is how we are able to impact more lives and reach more people. So again, if you got any value from today's show, share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes and let us know what you loved about the show. Thank you so much for listening. 
And until next time, much love.